Welcome back, everybody. Um, I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Chris Leonard. Chris, what's going on, man? How you doing tonight? Hey, man. Um, do- doing well. I, You know, I have never spoken to a gold medal, Olympic gold medal uh, medalist. I'm I'm excited <laughs> about this. This is this is good stuff. I've given up the board, man. I've given up the board. <laughs> oh, really? Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's best a dangerous sport. Yeah, yeah, it is. But uh, yeah, no, it's I'm, I'm excited. It's a good time. Oh, wait. Wait, which Jimmy Anderson are we talking to? <laughs> Damn, I, I'm actually, I'm actually the female uh, singer. If oh. you, there's, a, there's one out there as well. Is um, there a disambiguation page on, on <laughs> Wikipedia for you? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, our, our guest tonight is Mr. Jamie Anderson. He's been teaching and working in the field of sound system engineering, measurement alignment for over 25 years, it should be. I just noticed there's a typo on your bio on oh. the website, Jamie. I will get that fixed tomorrow. Come on, uh, hyphen Wrangler. <laughs> prior to founding Rational Acoustics, he worked as a tech support manager and SIM instructor for Meyer, system engineer on tour for A1 Audio. Uh, he worked with on the Katie Lang tour, and he worked uh, for ultrasound on the dave matthews band tour he's also a product manager and instructor for sia and eaw um and if you've taken a a smart training class around the world uh there's a good chance you've taken it from jamie um and really um more than anything he's he's a taco appreciator so we feel a deep oh, kinship yes, with him yes, on this show yes. and i was just looking at my calendar jamie i think it's it's almost exactly a year that uh that i joined the rational family so uh so thanks for coming on the show, man. Yeah, a bit, bit has happened since uh, since you joined joined here. We've done some videos. We, we a I couple, got, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah we uh, we've uh, we're sort of winding down now from the uh, the smart operator fundamentals online webinars, which was just kind of full court press for a couple of weeks. And uh, it's, ama- it's amazing. It's amazing. It is one of those projects that you always meant to do. There's a couple of things that we had loaded up and we always meant to do and and then when but when would we find the time? So you know the iron, ironic thing here is I have met Jamie uh, six or seven more times than I've met Michael. And by that, I mean, I've actually, <laughs> believe it or not, people, I have never actually met Michael in person. So I'm not even sure if he's real. But uh, anyway, I've at least met Jamie in person a handful of times. <laughs> Well, Holy Jamie's also so yeah. I think yeah, Jamie <laughs> wow. can vouch he can vouch for uh me, I suppose. I and guess. tell you that I I do exist okay. in, in a, a physical form. Yeah. He's a complete construct. <laughs> sort of float around the office in a in a hovering cloud. Yeah. It's a, a lot cheaper to pay medical on an animated character. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a good thing. So Chris, um, this is actually kind of a, a, an interesting time to have this conversation because you've been really digging into SPL stuff uh, oh. over the last six months or so, and and you you're coming up on a big uh, test that you're working on with one of your uh, one of your venues that you're working at, and and you've uh, you were one of our beta testers for the the new SPL features and smart. So um, I'll let you I'll let you dive in, man. I know you wanna you wanna kick the conversation off, so. Yeah, no, it, yeah, no, it's been, it's been fun. It's, it's actually kind of somewhat how Michael and I got introduced somewhat, um, is through the beta testing of SPL. Um, yeah, it's been probably almost a year ago now. Um, 
that uh that michael you got like you said you, that you got in, in with rational and um and so early on i started doing with it and, and mostly i started messing with just um just honestly just watching the timeline side of it um and and, and you know comparing mixes uh, from like service to service more in the uh, the church aspect and then yeah recently got into like um investigating some noise complaints with it and stuff so um you know but the SPL is still is, is, is as advanced as we are in our industry uh, in terms of system tuning uh, and, and, uh, and gear and consoles. SPL is still this dark hole of unknowing or, or misinterpretation or misinformation. So um, it's been a fun journey for me uh, to, to dig more into it. Um, so, yes, I think, yeah, it'd be fun to kind of dig into it. So I, I'd be curious, um, maybe first, uh, Jamie, what, what do you um, – what was your vision or thoughts or reasons to dig more into SPL more than just, Oh, Hey, here's an A and C weighted measurement. What, um, what was really driving that for you? Well, there were a couple things, but, but SPL, if you've done, if you've done shows, uh, live concerts, things like that, you, you've uh, probably multiple times been exposed to excessive levels. Sometimes it's fun. Sometimes it's not fun. Um, but, there's there's kind of been this coming storm over the last bunch of years where um, they're starting to look at 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 that about the liability issue of what we do because now I mean we now have the ability to make sound insanely loud and at all frequencies maximum bass at all frequencies and so um, there's, the thing was we used to be limited by our equipment. I mean, think about the Beatles at Shea Stadium. There's no way that they they could have hurt anybody's hearing unless they just blew the system up or something like Except that. Except for all the screaming girls. Yeah. They, well, that's the thing is that that um, so it was it was something that was becoming more and more important, and and actually Northern Europe was t- kind of taking the lead there, but it was one of those things that um, through OSHA and NIOSH they knew about hearing damage. Hell sound engineers know about hearing damage. I think I was really happy. I did my hearing test um, about four months ago, three months ago, and actually didn't have as much hearing damage as I, I thought. Uh, so I was, I was pleased about that, but um, we get, we expose ourselves to some high levels of SPL. And, and I look at my daughters, my daughters have earbuds in, in, you know, for six hours a day. And so you, you think about what's that's doing and you and the the levels that people are being exposed to. We can't pretend that we don't know about hearing damage because the research was done, you know, years ago for industrial situations about what we can expose people to. And it really is only a matter of time before somebody go to an event and actually measure the levels people are being exposed to and and bring that into the court and go after, you know, probably somebody like Live Nation or some deep pockets, the the promoter, the venues, the band. Um, because uh, I've been to a few shows in the last couple of years where it was, it was very loud for a very long time and nobody seemed to find anything wrong with that. <laughs> um and so anyway, the, the thing was that we, we've we always been in SMART. We've always been able to measure, uh, calibrate for an SPL measurement. And so that was that was something that was a capability we had 
um, starting oh, the 2000 or, or thereabouts. Um, but uh, where the, just the, that basic number was sort of interesting, but it was missing so much information about it. And so when we started graphing it and logging it and looking at that information and looking at integrated measurements, looking at uh, LEQ instead of just fast or slow integration and things like that, um, you really start to to peel the onion and, and see what's going on here because, you know, the human hearing mechanism can take like pretty, pretty loud bursts of energy and we kind of like it, um, you know, where a lot of us do anyways. Um, we don't want some of the bust our eardrums or anything like that, but a little bit of loud is is kind of kind of thrilling um but the the question is like how much are we exposing ourselves and and when do we start creating permanent damage and and all of that and um i think that that's been involved with throughout my career there's been this thing in the background where where people are trying to monitor it and put rules out there to try and get on it and uh well with with michael we kind of went through a looking at this, like, why do people measure SPL? And, and one of the reasons is um, because they can, so they want to know how loud it is. And that's a really nice thing. But really, a lot of times we measure it because we have to. And mm -hmm. it's either, normally it's because of nuisance. So somebody's complaining about the level. Can't you boys turn it down? Don't you know any <laughs> nice songs, right? Um, and and that one that one's a hard one because stuff becomes annoying. It doesn't have to be extremely loud or painful or damaging to be annoying. All it needs to be is annoying, like something, a beat that's above ambient and you can hear it. It's the reason for stuff like noise masking systems in a library. You wouldn't be worried about the, the level sound levels in the library damaging your hearing, but no. oftentimes it's so low that somebody rattling a pencil drives you nuts. Or what I found out, and Michael can attest to this directly. Um, now that we're all online, what's my what's my pet peeve? He's like, who's who's typing? Typing, who's typing. What's, it, is, it is the sound of typing, <laughs> and it, because you, you you're intimately up close in you know into into somebody, and so that that's something that that was interesting. But it, it just it became as we started. I I like measuring stuff. I'm into metrics. I'm into what they mean and, mm -hmm. and what they don't mean. And, and uh, SPL is a really interesting subject. And I, I had the pleasure of working with Michael actually at a USITT event <laughs> where we were playing sound police and it was, it was like, okay, we just want to set everybody to be the same level. And without, you know, okay, we're going to set it to be the same level, but if everybody has a different, uh, frequency response curve. Mm -hmm. What are we using for weighting? Are we matching A or matching C? Are we matching, you know? Um, and so that became a really interesting study um, in in setting things to be measure equally loud and having them be completely different levels or setting so they measure differently but sound the same level. Um, and um, that's one of the things... Uh, that I like to do is like, uh, let's take all these metrics and see what we're trying to flesh out of this, what we're trying to pull out of it. Um, you know, is it low frequency is causing a problem? You know, is one of the, 
the the last year I was touring, which is ages ago, was with DMB with a uh, with Dave Matthews Band. But the same year, uh, Hanson was touring, <laughs> and it was it was just really funny to hear the guys as you're going from venue to venue that the guys at the back dock talk about the loudest thing they ever heard was standing in the back dock when Hanson hits the stage, and you've mm. got this amphitheater of people just shouting mm. up. And you know, I saw the same thing. I, my friend was what a friend was doing sound for Hannah Montana. It was the same thing that that thirteen year old girl yeah. shriek, and they just said it's the loudest <laughs> thing in the world. And what's funny is that that's where okay, I'm sure they broke whatever uh, ordinances that they had, any limits they had, and it wasn't the they had right. no control of it. Um, Metrics. If you had metrics where you're measuring not only the level and your 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 time and date stamping all the stuff, but you're also um, you're looking at the frequency content of it. You could very quickly go, okay, well that's the audience when mm-hmm. this is this is happening. This is not the sound system. There's nothing below really 400 cycles that's really smashing smashing you. It's all this spearhead that's smacking you at 801k and whatever um and so the whole thing we we just we had posed it to we have this a brilliant set of people that we've developed a, a great working relationship over the years i started off with smart in 2000 when um eaw bought sia software in 1999 that was my opportunity to get off the road and stay married. And Karen and I took jobs with EAW and, and, and this, but we, and I was managing smart and SIA and, and that at that time. And, um, but we, we started relationships then with people that we are still actively involved with in our instructors all over the world. So we have, we have about 25 instructors throughout the world and we slowly gain more. Um, and we've got a very large user base and, and people that have been with us for many, many years. Um, and so the, the, the whole thing develops in conjunction with people. Well, we had the ability about six years ago to uh, do an SPL program. We were, we're at a point in development where I say, hey, our next project, we could do an SPL program on the side. Sorry to take this this measurement capability and make a cool program. And all of our instructors were like, yeah. And they said, okay, so is this going to be interesting if we don't have dedicated hardware? And everybody went, no. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so as, as quickly as we started down that road, we, we stopped. And, and that, that's the other thing that, you know, that's one of the crazy things you have to realize is um, the question is, do you need to be, do you need to be accurate or do you need to be compliant? Like, do you need, are you going mm. to court? Cause right. then you have to, you have to certify the whole, the whole chain, the, the, the hardware chain. Um, and it has to be something that is calibratable. Um, you know, my, Michael was doing some absolutely crazy stuff with going and getting these class compliant, these, these handheld SPL meters that you can buy cheap SPL meters and how accurate they weren't. I mean, but they were legally compliant and they're probably something that you could, in fact, calibrate to an actual, uh, 
you know, verifiable level and everything. But it was, um, it's kind of interesting because we could always, we could be really, really accurate, but we couldn't be class compliant because the calibration, you could always go, you know, one of the, the friend Don Pearson, who I, I work for both uh, with when I was working for ultrasound in the hippie days and then, and um, then for ultrasound, but you know, a little trick he showed me, which I never did was spraying hairspray into the microphone um, that measures SPL at a venue. I'm just saying that that <laughs> never happened. Um, but you know, the thing is that, that in general, you can just reach up and you can, you could turn the gain down on your, your smart mic and, smart has no idea and you're out of, you're out of calibration and the numbers look better. Um, <laughs> but you know, the thing is that, uh, so I've, I've run into a lot of people since we started doing the SPL stuff where I, you know, you have to ask them, do you need accuracy or do you need compliance? Because hmm. if you need compliance, you're not talking a hundred dollars a channel, you're talking $1,500 a channel. Right. And that's that's and there's sort of a middle ground there where people want people want accuracy, but they don't want to have to buy a whole bunch of expensive equipment. So they want something that they feel they trust the calibration on. Right. And so there's sort of a middle ground where you know your microphone, as long as your microphone doesn't get damaged, its sensitivity doesn't change. Um, so it's going to be 30 millivolts per Pascal or two millivolts per Pascal today and tomorrow and the next day. And, and you, you know, you go from sea level to Denver and you're only change sensitivity by a DB or so it's not, um, you know, once you're calibrated, um, you know, it, it's just that you're, you know, so you can, you can self calibrate and be pretty, secure in the knowledge it's just as soon as you're going into a courtroom then you probably need you know 1200 more dollars that don't make you more accurate but just guarantee that your your gain is locked down and measurable and certifiable and all that stuff anyway the 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 project the project has been really interesting I, a little side note and I, I think i said this to you earlier today michael but the thing that, that hits me about it, just because we put so much energy into the SPL project, it was really important until three mm. months ago. Yep. And and now it's going to be a while before SPL is the worry factor. Right. Um, it, it's, you know, and that's a, that's one of the things that, you know, part of it, there, I've been focused forever on education, but it's one of those things that, a lot of people don't understand necessarily that I can be sitting right here and you can be sitting 20 feet away from me and be at a different level, a different, you can have a completely different show mm -hmm. and stuff. I mean, what we do as system engineers, our job is sound communists, right? We're giving everybody the same show. Um, but uh, people don't understand that, that, um, that, I can have two radically different sounds relatively close to each other. Um, so when you look at that for SPL, um, you've got this, this limit, like you go to an amphitheater and it says 103 dBA slow at the mixed position is the limit. And that doesn't mean crap about what's happening somewhere else in the room or at the, or in the neighborhood nearby. Um, 
because you don't know everybody's bringing a dis- different system in. If I if I achieved 100 dBSPL at the back of the lawn from the main system, that means that I've got one more doubling distance and it's only 6 dB down. Whereas if I got the same level at the back of the lawn, but the system that was getting them is the delay system that's a quarter of the distance away, I'm going to be falling off at a faster rate. I'll have more containment. I can get better angles the way I point it. Um, I mean, that's the, the, the trick. There's some magical stuff that's been done lately with containing the sound as well as creating evenness of level throughout the listening area. So it's, it's pretty, pretty magical stuff. You know, what's, what's scary about that is, you know, pretty much as soon as we started working on SPL, I started taking the rig to every show I worked on and, and just <laughs> logging it and seeing mm-hmm. what it would do. And, and when you start looking at exposure stuff, um, the scary thing about that is, you know, if you have a, a very good system tech and you have, you know, front to back variants of, in your in your theater of 60B from front to back, which which is, you know, a lot better than you usually get that's still four times the exposure dose down front, you know? So, <laughs> so you go to, you might go to a hundred percent during the show. If it's a, if it's a very quiet show. Um, so if your NIOSH is a hundred percent in mixed position, it's 400% down front. Um, and so you're like, Oh my God, like people, I think I wasn't aware of how quickly um, you hit that dosage limit until you start measuring it. I mean, it's, it's a little scary. Well, look, it's just, just uh, to, you know, speak geek here. The funny thing is, of course, the difference between NIOSH and, and OSHA uh, is just, of course, is one of them is what is sort of what you're legally allowed to expose people to. But NIOSH is more of what will actually cause hearing damage. And so the the concerts are really tend to be held to what is going to what it, is going to get them in trouble, what, what they're legally allowed to expose you to. Um, and if you got a concert goer that just goes once a week to a concert, maybe, maybe twice a week to a concert. I mean, that's still not constant. Um, we are working there and we're being exposed. If you look at NIOSH, I bet you all of us are, are being exposed to levels that have are smashing our hearing. Um, but people, people kind of focus in on the, the OSHA levels, um, more so than the NIOSH that, yeah, that's the right, the right one. NIOSH is the, the, so you, you know, you're only allowed to be exposed to, was it one hour at 94 dB SPL or I forget what the numbers are. That's why you have Michael. Michael, what's the answer yeah, to that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, the, yeah, the NIOSH is one hour at, at 94 um, which, you know, good, good luck for a rock concert. Good luck. You know what I mean? Um, but no, I, I, the thing the I think the, the scary misconception here is that, oh, we're under OSHA, we're fine. And, and people do that. They assume that if they're under the OSHA, uh, you know, limits, they're safe. And that's not true. Um, Nash has a great paper on this, but you know, there's a, you can this is something like 25% of people meet meet OSHA's definition of hearing loss after a career at, at OSHA's levels. And and when OSHA what? says hearing loss, they mean <laughs> 20 dB in both ears. Like like yeah. yikes. You know what I mean? Like that our career was over a long time ago it, it, by that metric. So so um OSHA is when when you can sue. I mean, that's when you're legally liable. Yeah. You know, it, you passed safe a while back. It's in the rear mirror. You know what I mean? So uh, that's that's sort of a 
that's part of the awareness I think that um, we have a bit of a blind spot to in our industry still. Um, I got I got to say though that that um, I while I would expect and uh, to draw a horrible conclusion or a horrible parallel. <laughs> um, it's like, you know, oh, people aren't going to want to wear masks. Most people, most people want to do what's right and and protect themselves and protect others and stuff like that. And I would say with SPL limits, I've only rarely run into people that really couldn't couldn't deal with it. They couldn't they, mostly if you what I've seen is that if people can see what level they're at they're able to, they know where they are. Mm -hmm. And a lot of mixers, they, they get better knowing where they are for level and playing with that level instead of just using the mixing stick and, and stuff. So I think that in, in fact, if you've just got that feedback mechanism, I think it, it, people will naturally figure out ways to make it sound good and comply other than it's a lazy trick just to, you know, push it till your pants rattle. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> I think that was uh, there's two things I think marry that together in terms of watching numbers, right? I think for 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 decades, people all I've ever done is watch their Radio Shack handheld meter, right? And you're watching those numbers, and there's no way you can actually correlate that across time in terms of what you're really doing, right? And so the introduction of the timeline for me, uh, being able to see that, and then and then introducing the LEQ time, like the ten minute average. Uh, and understanding how you can, again, still be in that safe window of, say, like a 94 can be like a safe window where you can still have peaks of 103, 104 at times, yeah. yet the, the majority of your show is actually sitting at like 85, 90, you know, and, and that's okay, right? Um, and so the, the the timeline, the cool thing for me, especially if you have either you're, you're on a, you know, you're on a tour you know, night after night and you have the same set, or let's say you're in a house of worship venue um, and you have multiple services. So you know, the, the, the church that I happen to mix at, we do three services, identical services. Uh, and I would literally screenshot each timeline and I would line them up on top of each other. And it was a fun progress for me to see how close I could get them together. Now, look, I know that that does not mean um, they may, they may, not, they might have sounded completely different, right? I know we're not talking about what it sounded like, but I at least could say, hey, uh, dynamically, I have, I mixed this, um, this, you know, we're trying to achieve the same experience, right? So both from a uh, from a sonic level across the space, but also from from an SPL standpoint too. So that was um, the timeline thing, and looking at LEQ was a um, was a is it, it's a. I don't think there's a lot of engineers, maybe now, but a lot of engineers haven't been able to see across a timeline how consistent they're yeah. actually mixing their show. You know, it's just been <laughs> memory of what it felt like. Yeah, I mean, the, the, oh, go ahead. I was going to just say, you know, I, it's 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 changed the way I mix in a huge way. Um, you know, even if I'm not dealing with a venue that has has a limit or an ordinance or there's no there's no rule placed upon me as a mixer, I still set it up and I still watch it, and it and it has been an absolute game changer in terms of uh, the awareness of using dynamic range as a tool um, and you know staving off ear fatigue both for yourself and for the audience and just you know kind of uh, building the contour of the show and creating intimate moment. I mean, it's 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 really some excellent feedback. Um, I built a little meter bridge. It's like a five inch little LCD that kind of bolts onto my uh, my road case for my mixer and gives me a little heads up and I can see, you know, right now, A and C slow, and I can see five minutes 
and I could see 15 minutes or whatever, you know? So, so if you have a, a right now and then a, then a one or two minute and then a 10 or 15 minute, you can see your contour. Mm-hmm. Am I, am I trending up? Am I trending down? Where, where am I sitting? Um, and all discussions of exposure aside, it's a, it's a phenomenal tool for consistency, for yeah. impact. Um, it's, it's, it's really been a game changer for me. Well, there's a, the, what's kind of interesting is the, that it's, if you want, I don't know, if you want a, a show that feels loud or aggressive or fun or energetic or, you know, whatever the words you're throwing out there, it, the people aren't necessarily talking about loud. We just kind of substitute because we've got these slider knobs that we can keep pushing up and we tend to have so much damn power mm-hmm. now in our, our systems um, that you, you just, you, you can keep pushing them up and that's louder and more exciting. And, and, but there's other ways to create that, that dynamic and that sense of loudness. In fact, we did a, um, at, at a show called USITT, which is a convention, you, uh, the theater technology show on Saturday morning. So it's a convention. So the you know, people are going to these classes and seminars. Um, and in the nine, nine o'clock in the morning on Saturday morning of the last day of the, the show of the trade show, um, we had a, a session talking about SPL. And so um one of the things I did in it, I, I was much more of just show people how to measure it and and give them an idea of, of level. But I, I found it interesting to put a microphone in the middle of the seating area. So we're in a little conference room in a in I forget. I think we were in Houston, but I, I don't I don't remember. Um I, or no, no, Fort Worth, something like that. Anyway, we're in a, a trade show uh conference room. And so it's early in the morning, everybody ears are fresh. And so, you know, we've been talking about these levels all the time and people are, you know, I've been to loud stuff. And then it, it was funny just to, to turn on some music and turn up the level and show them like, you know, like raise your hand when it's loud enough for you right now. And everybody's hand was up right around 90, like not even close to show level. But everybody was just like, this is way because your your threshold has been set down low. And that's the thing is that if you're mixing a show, if you create space, um, the guy named my friend Eddie Mapp, who he was mm-hmm. mixing. Um, uh, what was her name? Um, Evan, or, uh, Amy Lee? Uh, Evanescence? Or? Uh, no, no, it was uh, Paramore. And it was oh, it, right. it, it's a band. It's not a person. But um, and he he's always using 10 easy, which is a, 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 uh, SPL measurement system that we are actually the distributors for as well. And you can hook them into smart and, and get calibrated level from him. But he's sitting there during the show and he's, he's got a beautiful, wonderful dynamic on it. And at one point he reaches over and he hits me and he points at the screen and it's like 80 dB SPL in the in the show like he, you can he was bringing the level way down and up and the show was really dynamic and not hurting anybody but nobody would you know nobody wouldn't say it was a full-on rock show hmm. um and it's just being that's a tool um i think the 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 place early on in in my career I ran headlong into this. Um, I was at Montreux Jazz Festival. And so I was 
with Meyer and I was the system tech at the, in the main room at the auditorium Stravinsky. And it's a 2000 seat room and it's a concert hall. And we put in a huge system in there just to be able to reproduce a great dynamic, to have all the headroom in the world. And so um, on the opening night, oddly enough for a jazz festival, it, the first band was New Order and the second band was Robert Plant. So that, there you go, jazz. <laughs> um, and but So I'm sitting there and Robert Plant's mixer, who I believe just passed away. So that, um, But um, we, were, we were sitting up there and the woman who was mixing New Order was just turning it up and turning it up and turning it up. And I'm starting to get really it's it's really starting to scare me because I mean they it's getting it's getting loud. She's probably at 110 at the mix position. Um and there's there's no place for that at this, at this festival. But she's turning it up and the 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 mix engineer looks over at me and he says, She's just looking for the top of the system. And I'm like the, the, so the whole thing was, you know, playing the system like a musical instrument, you're looking for that squish and it wasn't, it wasn't squishing. <laughs> and that's it. You're looking for those limiters to kick in and you were looking for that sound, that warmth of the, and, you know, people are used to playing a, a system. There's a reason why people have some sound systems is for the, or the reason why you use a Mesa bookie or, or, you know, different guitar heads or something like that, but it's or just, vinyl. or vinyl. <laughs> Cause I only want 50 dB of dynamic range. God damn it. Excuse me. But the, so the, the thing is that, that it's, there's ways to create loudness and things like that. And in that case, we were, she was just, she was just pushing the system. She was used to working on Meyer systems, but we're talking like MSL threes and, the, the system was the MSL-5s, which were a cut down of the MSL-10. Um, doesn't matter. These are all dinosaur speakers. But it had, you know, it 15 dB more headroom than or than the standard. I mean, it was just maybe maybe not exactly, but it was it was uncomfortable because it was it wasn't crunching. Um, and uh, it was just an interesting learning experience all all those years ago. I mean, that's about, part of the rabbit hole, though. Like, you know, when a human says it sounds loud, what do they mm-hmm, mean? And, mm-hmm. uh, yep. I mean, distortion is a huge, a huge, like THD. I mean, that's the, your aural exciters and your sonic maximizers and your tube this and that. It's that it's that distortion that plays a huge role in our perception of loudness. And, you know, I did a thing the other day. It was a, a talking head. It was a spoken word thing. And... I looked down on my meter during the, the end of the, it was like 81 a slow and it was like uncomfortably loud. Um, <laughs> and, and I'm like, wow. Cause that's crazy. Cause two nights ago I had done a rock concert and it was one Oh one a, and they were like, turn it up more, you know? So, so the, the context here is so, you know, what triggers that? I mean, okay. So great example, the two way speaker, right? Take some, take a two way speaker, put on some music, Turn it up until it's loud, but not uncomfortable, and then unplug the woofer, right? So, so your SPL is going down, but the the it's very unpleasant. Like you want to leave the room, and you're like, oh my gosh, it's too loud. So your perception of this is this is uncomfortably loud. SPL um, goes down and screech goes up. Yeah. So so I I think that that's part of going back to that. Well, this is why it's important to 
have objective measures of this stuff because you can, you know, when it, when it feels uncomfortable to you or not is not a good metric for it. Is this safe? It's well, the, the, yeah, but there's some metrics. There are definitely some metrics that are missing. And I know that, that, you know, there's a couple things to touch on here, but the, you, you get your parents call you up and say, why are the commercials so damn loud? There should be a law <laughs> against the instances. Actually, it's because there's a law stating about how loud they can do. It's they've compressed the dynamic range, and so mm-hmm. the show you're listening to has much more dynamic range, and so it's going up to the same peak and all that. But it's not it's not compressed, and and the average level isn't isn't higher. So it, it, they're actually both holding to the same law, but makes that guy sound much, much louder. So it's, it's sometimes you can get kind of, you meant for this rule to, to, uh, you know, limit the maximum loudness, but, but you, you kind of end up biting yourself. <laughs> the example of that though, the, the best one, the original toy story where buzz <laughs> sees the TV commercial for, for the buzz Lightyear toy. And yeah. it's, it's assaultive and it's not, it's not louder than anything else in the movie, but it's pendulette is the voice on the TV commercial <laughs> and he's just screaming. And, and so it's, 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 again, it's just that, you know, it's, it's assaultively loud when you're listening to it, but it's, it's not, it's probably not any higher on a meter. It's just, it's that perception of loudness, you know, and it's such a complex, uh, I mean, you want to go down a research rabbit hole. Holy cow. There's- well, well, so the actual, but this is a good point too, in terms of, all right. So if you put up source material, like play back a CD or whatever, right. Um, yeah. And if you actually run that up to 94 dBA, uh, you will be crying, right. Compared to uh, if you actually, you know, have the live band playing at 94, 94 dBA. So can you, can you explain maybe what, what, why or maybe Mike or Jamie, it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, what, what, you know, why, you know, why does that, um, why does that, What's what I know we're talking about perception here. What what is the difference there? Why why is it not why are not all things equal there? <laughs> I mean, it's the the list is so long that we'd be here for I mean so so uh, I know there's short, a couple short answers. I know there's a couple short answers. <laughs> Expectation has a lot to do with it. Um you expect the the talking head to be at a certain level versus you expect the rock band to be at a certain level. Um, you know, you think about Sunday, Sunday morning versus Saturday night, right? Saturday night, you're at the concert, Sunday morning, you're in church, switch those levels. Um, yeah, but, but I'm talking about just even like if I, you know, I, I play back something from a CD, right? Yeah. Um, right. and, and then versus, uh, you know, the, the same band on stage playing the exact same thing. Uh, if I actually okay. put that CD playback at the same level that that band is playing at, it, the CD is going to crush you. Yeah, but they, they weren't, uh, there's this thing called mixing. Um, <laughs> And I don't know about it because I am, argue, I'm a horrible uh, mixer. But the thing is that that there were choices made. There were so many choices made in the the process of putting that together. So if you have a live mix um, that you've put together, um, it's it, in one case you're listening to something that somebody probably was was sitting uh, three feet away from a uh, from near field monitor. And listening to it at 90 db spl or or 80 or like a, a lower level um as opposed to the situation that you're in that you're listening to the same thing and you're getting the same net level at that distance but you're you're you know the the two sources they're not the they're just not the same they weren't they weren't put 
weren't put together the same. They didn't have the same frequency content. If you look at a live, a, a live sound playback system, it's not flat generally, unless it's something in a lower level being played in clubs or something like a jazz club or something like that. Generally there's, there's a spectral tilt to the system. And then the few instruments where you want the high frequency harmonics on are lifted up on the channel. And so it's mixed to that, to that system. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, uh, you know, I, I, they're just not in, there's so many, <laughs> that's the thing. There's so many things about it that are, you know, the, the, what's in there for compression and things like that. And, and, you know, and I, it, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to put a finger on, on why, but there, the, that's the thing. Okay. So, tuning a sound system and i've i've been involved with two two companies acting you know selling loudspeakers as well as being a a, a, you know, a measurement jockey or whatever you want to call me a, a, a geek um but when you when you're tuning a system where it's live playback um they're putting them they're putting the mix together there they're building the they're building the signal for the system. Now every every signal coming down the line has high frequency harmonics, right? That's just what harmonics are. And so, but some of them you don't want them, right? And and when you're building a mix, right? When you're building a mix, um, there's some that you really need the high frequency information for detail for intelligibility. Um, whereas there's other stuff that, that if you, you know, you, you have the, the, the mix will just get all cluttered up there. Um, it's very interesting. Um, I had a chance to listen to some mastering engineers talking about putting drums together, the, the like old style mastering, but they worked on the, like this many piece drum set and getting all the single drum sounds sounding right. And, you know, get 15 drum work multiple days to get every single drum sounding right. And then they put it together. And once they put the whole drum set together, even though all those sounds, each channel was perfect together, they ended up having to rip out like, you know, two thirds of the channels to get a good drum sound um, because the, in total, they were getting on top of each other and, and masking each other. And, and anyway, so the, the thing is that, that, the mix that you're listening to on the CD playback, somebody's already been through that mix and cleaned up and made each thing fit in its place with what you what you are hearing and what you're not hearing and and everything like that, uh, as opposed to what you have where you're mas- you know effectively mastering that right there in front of you. Um, and so they're different they're different instruments and and generally, when you're having people mix to live sound playback, having a little bit of a, a tilt, particularly on the top end, it's almost sort of like noise reduction in a way, is that you're boosting the high frequency in the channels that you need it, but letting it be rolled out in, in the rest of the stuff. Um, and so, and it's a, it's, it's there. If you're trying to sell the system, the thing you have to remember is. So let's say you have it tuned with one of those classic curves. And I think everybody who's seen system tuning has probably seen this basic curve, 
with a bump down low and then relatively flat and then tailing off, or it could be a slow, just a slow tail on it. Um, so somebody brings their brothers in arms disc or their Nora Jones. I don't know what, what are people using? They're not even using discs. They're, they're, they're I've gone back dr- to laser disc actually. For exactly. You know, you know what um, I think is huge though too? Wax, is, wax cylinders. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I direct to reverberant ratio plays a huge role in this. Oh, yep. Um, because your brain going, well, there's something really loud three feet from my face, you know, studio near fields versus being a hundred feet away from, from a large format line array. Like you said, it's same level at the ear, Chris, but psychologically there, you you know, your comfort level is very different just on a base level. Um, it's really amazing what, what matters and what your brain is able to disregard. I mean, for, for the tonality of the system, your brain really is just the first arriving stuff is the mm-hmm. dominant tonal information, which is the dominant information. Generally it's, it's the loudest information, the dominant information. Um, but your ear is able to sort stuff where it can, I mean, just like w- when you're sitting at a cocktail party, right. And you can, you can focus in on somebody and you can, you can almost self mix the noise floor. Or if you if you listen to a band and this is what people are doing with the, with, uh, you know, DMB and L acoustics, Meyer and everybody doing with the, the, um, it's immersive immersive is just what's amazing is if i we do the worst thing in the world we take a, a really beautiful complex sound field that our ears can then start kind of taking apart and focusing on different things and we take it and we smush it together and we project it out of two speakers and so we've we take away some of your abilities to pick out different signals and so you have to use other tools to make stuff stand out um, whereas when you're just listening to the instruments themselves in the space, it's a lot, you're put up with a lot, lot more. The, the imbalance, um, is not like you can sit on the, the left side of, uh, the orchestra seating and listen to an orchestra and it's not going to be as disturbing as if you measured the relative level of one side of the orchestra to the other side of the orchestra on the two different sides. It just doesn't have the imbalance that, that you would expect. Um, Cause your, your ear is sorting out. That's that, that's that. Um, so our, our mechanism, hearing mechanism is, is a pretty interesting, interesting guy there. So I don't know. I just, um, the, the when you ask a question, I okay. This is this just because we can go we can go anywhere with this. Um, I have a I have a, a a good friend that I haven't seen for a while, although I, um, but he had gotten he had mixed um, a band in the in the eighties um, rhymes with hollow notes, um, and he had he had he had done it for years and years and years and, and all this stuff. And he eventually, you know, 20 years later, um, gets fired from a, a 12th reunion tour or whatever. And he literally, he got fired because it doesn't sound like it did in Madison square garden in 1980. What? It's like, so this show right now doesn't sound like you remembered it sounded 
20 years ago. And yes, that's the reason why you you're that's what you're being held to is. And that, so that's a, it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing, place we live in. It's, you know, I, I'm a measurement head, but I'm very aware of, you know, you, you know, the, the, you're going to do the best job, your best job ever. And somebody's going to walk out of there and they might've been standing right next to you. And they'll, they'll say that that absolutely sucked. <laughs> um, so all I'm, all I'm looking for is I, you know, as a sound communist, I would just, if it, if it sucks right here and it sucks the same over there, I'm, I feel like I've done my job, right? <laughs> I'm just trying to give everybody the same suck. And so, they can appreciate I mean, that. <laughs> this is something I was talking about this with, with Jim Yak the other day. And, and Chris, it's a great example of what you're talking about. Um, if you're in a shed, right? So half the audience is under this big bouncy roof thing mm-hmm. um, and half is outside. Um, if you're, if you're in there and you're listening under the roof, you, you've kind of, you're sort of, I mean, uh, there's this old, is, I think it's a Baranic thing. It's the apparent source source with, right? So how, how wide the sound stage seems to you, the sound is around you. You're sort of in this environment. If you go out on the lawn and raise those delays up till they're the same level, but it's just a pick. It's just a pick. You know, it's a pickaxe coming right at your face from one. It, it, it's it's that's extremely unpleasant. It sounds nothing like you know. They're going to look very similar on an analyzer, and they're going to you know they're going to meter very similar, but they don't sound anything at all. The well, the, I had I had a crazy thing on. I was on tour with with Katie Lang and um, this guy Grant Macri great mixer incredible production manager but um we we were in uh atlantic city at caesars and they had a room there i i don't know what is a thousand seat room or whatever maybe less um but it was so heavily draped that it was almost like an anechoic chamber and it was it was just it it was i i'm sure somebody burned it down by now or something like that but it was no, it, it was it, it was it still it still exists it's i've i've done shows in there yeah oh wow so we're sit, we're sitting there and i'm and you know my job is my my job was over pretty quickly in in a show there i needed to get everything up and running and make sure that everything was running fine but then i just got the pleasure of listening to him mix Katie and Katie sing which was fantastic and but I'm sitting there and I started to get edgy. I just couldn't, I couldn't get comfortable. I was like, what, why is this so weird to me? Hmm. And I'm listening. It's got these beautiful reverbs and all this stuff. And I started to realize that the reverb was all coming from in front of me, Hmm. that there was nothing, there was nothing behind me. I mean, it was just dead back there. So it sounded, it sounded like I was in a, it felt like, I was sitting, looking in a window into a concert hall. So it sounded absolutely beautiful. And I got the effect of that reverb, but there was nothing hitting any other part from, from behind. And it was, it was just this really, it took me, uh, you know, a, a few songs, but once I realized that I just, I, it, it, uh, I couldn't unhear it. Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. So the other the the other thing um, about what you guys been doing with SPL that um, I hadn't seen prior to to Rational do it, I'm not sure if it existed, was uh, octave banded SPL measurements. Right. So we talk about wanting all these metrics and all this data. 
Um, and I know, so for, for me, I, I, I used it for two things out of curiosity. One was to, you know, I set up like multiple mics across, uh, the venue that I was in, um, and set up like, you know, one measurement for each, um, or a meter for each octave, um, and, uh, and watched how, you know, consistent or inconsistent it was across the room as it moved, right? Just more of just to, and I know you can cut it as my transfer function, but it's nice kind of to see it in an SPL format, you know, per octave. And then, um, and then secondly, you made, like the mother of all meter grids, you had like a 10 by 10. <laughs> yeah, it was ridiculous. <laughs> it's a, it's a, well, the, 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 the funny thing about it is that SPL has been a measurement that's been around for, uh, for a long time. And there, there has been octave banded, um spl type of stuff but generally um generally it's it there's a lot of stuff that the the measurements were standardized on the way they could do it not what they wanted but the way that it was actually measured right as opposed to like you you would you would have an integrator right so you have a, a certain the, the energy is coming in it's fade it's it's slowly decaying whereas i could take a i could take a measurement with with a computer and logging it where i just take the measurement and then average less the last x amount of time and don't average anything before or after it um, like you can be, you didn't have a, an actual record of the data that you were working from. You were just, you had this integrating circuit and you just set that integrating time and that's what you got. And the, the, the classic thing, um, is one of the, the classic things for like the way you tune a cinema system, um, with the cinema system, the, they, it was a major thing when the RTA came out and they said, Oh my God, we can now measure the cinema system. And so when they got to tuning it, they, they came up with a process and they said, we're going to put a microphone down. We'll put pink noise through the system. So it should look flat on an RTA. And then we want this curve. And then they started to realize, well, Hey, um, the, the thing is that, that, different places in the room will have, there'll be some position dependent holes and stuff like that. So if we just take one position in the room and do it all to that one position in the room, which is the, the uh, progenitor of the, the measure basin, the, the, the EQ disaster that when you see somebody put a microphone in one spot and then put in 30 filters to make it flat right there, that's, this is the same thing. But they, so they, what they realized was, that we'll measure instead of measuring at one position, we'll measure at multiple positions. And so what they would do is switch between different microphones. And so they were feeding a, a RTA an integrating RTA. And so they'd go to, they have one microphone, feed it, then another microphone, feed it, then another microphone, feed it, then another microphone, feed it. And they'd step between these microphones to get an average of the spectrum in multiple places. So they weren't, you know, distorted by an anomaly at one place. Um, and, or they would take the microphone and they would walk around and with the microphone and, and, um, and slowly integrate as they walked. And, and it, you can argue about that. Um, the thing was that um, with the integrator that you're feeding microphones closer to the speakers behind the screen 
it's going to, those positions are going to be louder than positions, say, twice the distance away. So depending on how wide you placed your microphones, some microphones could be up, you know, 3dB louder than others. And with the integrator, because it's basically doing a power average, those measurement positions had more, more say in the average than the, the lower energy positions. So when you're averaging them, they, there'd be this, you know, more input there and you wanted everybody to have the same input. So some of the, some of the measurement techniques involve setting all your microphones and trimming the gain so that they all show the same sensitivity. So nobody, the, the louder position doesn't outweigh the other positions. Um, all that to say is that that's because you're feeding one integrator. That's the hardware Whereas measurement now, we can just take all those measurements and normalize them to each other and average them together. And we don't, we don't have to trim stuff out. The, it's the, the way that we're averaging the data, we're capturing all the measurements separately and we can, we can capture them all separately and we can, all, we can capture an average of them, which is an average of the shape of the response, which is what you're looking for, and not take into account or take into account the relative levels of it and it's just because we've we've been involved like spl is a classic one where um we end up reproducing what the hardware of old could do until somebody says well wait a minute what we actually wanted was leq that measured like this and so that's the cool thing now is that we were realizing when we were putting spl together is okay well we can have a weight c weight we can have well why don't we just do an octave let's do Let's, you know, let's do LEQ of whatever length you want. Let's do mm. as many as you want um, because we're not being limited by, you know, hardware. So there's the, all of a sudden you can start doing weird studies where you're comparing multiple different types of averages of the same data. Yeah, well, and that's so the, the study that I've been doing that Michael and I've been working with, and Jamie, you've seen some of it as well, is uh, so, you know, the uh, the venue, one of the venues I happen to work at, um, you know, one of the neighbors has been complaining, um, as some neighbors do. Um, I hate um, them. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, about, you know, uh, a quote-unquote nuisance, right? And um, and so not even getting into what the ordinances are, right? That's a whole that's a whole nother thing, right? Um, this, Spoiler, this, they don't this, make any sense. Yeah, we, it was, it's... it's <laughs> We don't have enough time to talk about that side, but um, it was been a very fun experiment of like, uh, it's been like over a couple months now that I've been trying to working on this. Um, and like, regardless of whether this was ever actually going to accomplish anything for the venue or the neighbor, I didn't care because it was a fun science experiment for me. I think just, <laughs> just about every time I did it, I was on the phone with Michael. Like, hey, I'm going to try this. What do you think about this? Right. And, and um, so like the first night uh, I set up, like, like, you know, the band was doing rehearsals like on a Thursday night. Uh, and I, you know, I had, I had the mic in the venue um, and then this house, believe it or not, is a thousand feet away from the venue, right? Uh, yet they're still complaining. And mind you, this is, I mean, the funny thing is, is this venue only has a single dual 18 uh, JBL VTX G28, right? So it's not like it's this like massive venue, right? Um, and, um, and yes, it's house of worship. It's not even, you know, a, a metal venue or anything or EDM. Um, and so, so I put a microphone out there and, uh, and I'm like watching it. Right. And, um, and I'm watching everything. I'm watching the octave stuff. I'm watching, I'm watching a, I'm watching C all this stuff. And the coolest thing that happened through that, like our time where I'm sitting there recording SPL 
um, about halfway through, well, there's, there's some there's some planes flying by, right? I'm like, okay, you know, and and the cool <laughs> thing is, the motorcycle. Well, no, it's, yeah. <laughs> well, so there's some planes flying by, right? And so it's like it was cool to see. Okay, because of the octobanded SPL, I could see what raised it wasn't any of the low energy, right? Like, so we know nothing, you know, nothing above say, you know, 100 hertz or whatever um, was making it a thousand feet away, right, from the building. So I knew any of these other. Um, artifacts whether it be planes whether it be cars or it be whatever if you see these blips in spl i knew it wasn't us that was creating it um and then a low-flying helicopter came by which was the coolest looking thing on the graph <laughs> <laughs> and it was like the most exciting thing in that hour time but anyway beside that um uh being able to watch the octave i could actually i did multiple tests i was able to go back into the venue uh, and actually drive the system harder and i could see at what point in the venue you know if i'm hitting x number i could see in the six you know the 63 hertz and the the 31 or what where it centers um octave of when i'm actually making noise over there as opposed to any other uh ambient noise so it was it was a very fun uh experiment um it's been ongoing um we just did another test i don't know two days ago um but it's uh it's the the octave thing has been a very fun thing to look at well that's it I, that's the the coolest thing about being involved in this project that's been the the smart platform was that um there's there's a lot of stuff that we build just to build a tool and like why why are you doing that said so, i don't know i we're just trying to make sure that it's it's correct that it's it's measuring as we think it is um and then we'll hand it to the infinite number of monkeys which are you guys where you'll come up with it you you know how are you going to use it well we think you're going to use it like this but there, it's amazing the number of times where we find people like, oh, I've just come up with a bizarre new way of 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 using this, just you know, um, and and then it's great because it's iterative. Because then when we see you doing something like that, you're come, you know, we're able to go, okay, well then we can help you, you know, display this data that you're collecting like this, or we can compare this metric to this metric, or the you know. And so it it evolves the the whole platform, you know. Sometimes you just build it to see what people can build out of it, it you know. That's yeah, it, it's like me. Bu- it's like me bugging Johnny because, like, so I want to do these comparative measurements of I want to be able to measure. You know, so I'm measuring front of house inside a venue and this neighbor's property, but I want to see them both on the timeline at the exact same time, or at least be able to look at them post and say, so like you know, in the if anyone who's actually seen the timeline window, you have all these other data windows of you can look at a C LEQ all on top of each other, but what you can't do currently in real time, at least, is look at you know two different measurement, uh, two different two different microphones, right? Um, but that's what I want to compare the entire time is in real time. What that what did I do in the venue? What actually happened to that property line? And I, we were able to actually uh, basically go into Excel with the text file that came out yeah. and actually drop the two traces, which was, was cool. But yeah, that's the thing. Like maybe it's something you guys might not have thought about on the front end of how you want to do it. Uh, and but we're we're working towards it, so it's 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 cool. Well, I said that's the the thing is that that we just never stop. That we we've always got a, a list. I mean, one of the things that. Um, one of the reasons adding Michael into the mix was about was that if we've got we've got smart and DI and we've got SPL and you need you need a product manager, somebody that can look at what the requirements are, what people need, and also 
get the feedback and and work you have to have somebody just paying attention to the market and to the the standards and the standard practices and to be talking with the people that are doing it and um for like for smart um that used to be me um for for many many years and i've since been able to kind of move uh uh, maybe from a, a higher position, I don't know, uh, because we have uh, we have Chris uh, Tenjuris doing the the product management, and so it's his job to to monitor all that stuff. And it's really not possible to have, you know, any of these products without a product manager, a person who's specifically, you know, looking and interacting with people in, in the people that are using the product and getting that feedback and. I mean, it's, it's absolutely critical. And, and so that's, that's been one of the things that made the product possible was being one people like you, uh, out there using it and getting really active feedback and really refining the product. Cause think about the first, when did you first use the S the SPL program? You're talking about me? Yeah. Uh, uh, probably, probably about a year ago now. I, I remember it was like spring, spring of last year, I think. Um, and yeah. Think about was, how much it. Think yeah, it was spring because I, I saw what he was doing with his with his measurements from the church, and I called him, and I, I was like, all right, I want you to help me. You know, we're working on some new stuff, and I want you to try it and tell me what you think, you know, and that's that's exactly what Jamie's talking about is um, we need that feedback to see uh, what's working and what, what needs attention. And, Jamie, I'll, I will not forget um, where I was. I was outed. Uh, my, my buddy was a system tech for the Willie Nelson tour last summer, and he invited me to come out to the show and I had just sat down and I was like, all right, I'm going to just kind of enjoy my evening and watch the show. And then you texted me <laughs> and you said, well, if we're measuring rock concerts and there's a ton of bass, why are we using a for exposure? And I was like, oh man. And it totally ruined the, it ruined the night. Cause I, that's all I was thinking about the whole night. So, so as I was sitting there at, at the show, I actually on my phone sent an email to NIOSH because I knew that if I didn't take action, it was just going to just bug me the whole time. So that was sort of the turning point when I was like, well, I'm going to jump into this rabbit hole, I guess. And, and, and they, the guy called me, you know? Yeah. Uh, and that was like, Oh, you can, that's a thing. They have a, they have a well, guy well, at NIOSH who has a, who has a phone. <laughs> yeah, that's so weird that they're, they're allowed to talk to you. It's probably not anymore, but uh, that's a different thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but that, that is the, the thing you think about the program that that you first started playing with and what it does now and just the the iter the development that's gone on in that that period of time that's that's really kind of a cool cool thing um and it's just uh and teasers for <laughs> we cool we actually got some cool sbl stuff coming down so yeah yeah all right chris i know you got a you have a final request here so let's have yeah. it yeah, so I, I got a story time question. So, all right. Uh-oh. So, well, so, no, it's funny. Uh-oh. So, we, 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 right. we <laughs> you know, it, so we, uh, you know, we, we often when talking to people, we always talk about like how they got their start, right? And so, um, I wanted to, you know, in your, in your bio, you talk about, um, you know, so you, you got smart and no pun intended, you left lighting to come to audio, right? Um, uh-huh. and, uh, and it, it talks about, um, you know, during a load in, I guess you were like a stagehand or something like that, and and you were working for, uh, for the, grateful, <laughs> the, the grateful, grateful Dead, um, and you got introduced to you know uh, Don Pearson and uh, Dan Haley and, and saw your base your first FFT. Um, I, I'd love to hear 
what you experienced, what you remember from that, and what really sank into you to basically project the rest of your – change your life really at that point. Wasn't there a beverage being spilled that played a critical role? Oh no, no, that's a that's a different that's a that's a different thing. That was the lighting console, and okay. that's that completely different. No, the, um, this is I was a I was at WPI in Worcester, um, and so um, I'd always been into into theater and and doing music, rock and roll, and stuff like that. But I was always a lighting guy. And, um, but, you know, to, to make money, we were working for the, the down at the centrum as stagehands. I was best money as a college student. That was really good money. And, um, so, uh, me and my roommate and, uh, another friend were down there working for the, uh, the Grateful Dead load in and our, our friend Bruce, uh, actually was the one that, that, uh, got to talking, ended up talking with, he was talking, uh, I think it was Uva, but he would, he would end up talking with, with Don Pearson and then with, with Dan and, um, was asking about the equipment. And I guess he asked so many questions that, that they just, they said, well, you know, come in on Saturday, bring your, your audio class, um, and on, on Saturday. So they, they would do three shows at, at a clip. And so Saturday was the the third show. And so they, they had, you know, time in the morning to power up the system and show us through it. Now I went, I went to see that presentation just cause I wanted to see Candace's, uh, the, the lighting package, the Verilite package. And so we were, we had access to front of house and I wanted to, to see all that, but, um, and I expected these guys to be total stoners um, and I was, I wasn't let down, but, um, <laughs> they were, I would expect them to, you know, to just kind of be, you know, just, you know, spouting silliness. And the first question was, you know, you got, who here knows what a Helmholtz resonator is. And they started talking about FFTs and I'm, um, you know, I'm electrical engineer. Um, these are things that are going on in, you know, other parts of my studies and I just start, uh, it was just, it was just really interesting. They were using a, a HP, was it B&K or HP? Either way, they were using a, a dual channel uh, FFT analyzer to do the tuning of their systems. And it's really funny is I actually have, somebody made a transcript of that. And I actually have a printout of the transcript of that, that talk that basically Dan did most of the talking um, what, uh, now what's funny is if you read it now, it was, it, it, it may be not stuff that I would agree with now, but it was really, 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 really interesting. And so if you cut to, to two years, three years later, um, I'm a grad student in a theater program and, and I've got to pick a, uh, I've, I've started to give over to the dark side and become a, a sound designer. Cause that's where kind of exciting stuff was going on. Lighting design was all this, the equipment at the time was very static. Um, the Lico's Fresnel's and that stuff. And so um, I got into sound and very quickly ran headlong into having to learn how to get control of my sound system, you know, go into the studio and you make your, your tapes. Yes. Tape. We were cutting tape. <laughs> 
onto you know four track quarter inch um is and then you'd go back and play it in the space and it doesn't sound anything like it and and so i just got interested in uh system tuning and i had seen people noise systems and and with uh you know just a third octave uh rta and an eq graphic eq and and all that and so i borrowed a rain i have one in here i have a rain re27 so a rain re27 i borrowed one of those from a friend and used it to tune a system that i was doing a sound design for and it really helped and i was amazed but then it didn't always help or it didn't it helped but it was still missing something and that's where i got back into thinking about what those hippies were talking about um back at the and started so when i did my thesis that just sent me down the road um to uh to go and figure out what that was all about ended up for my thesis i had um a guy named thorny alexander uli thornton um who um is was one of the guys with meyer and Pavarotti and stuff and uh bob mccarthy was a reader on my thesis and um and i just i I really got into to measurement, just learning about the measurement systems out there. And then, you know, a year later after I graduated, Sim 2 came out and got offered a job up at Meyer. So that that was that's how I got dragged into it. Um, I, I just the yeah, it's 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 kind of funny because I ended up I ended up spending about the better part of a year while I was still at Meyer actually working for the dead uh, on loan from Meyer. So I ended up working with that system. And then when I was out with, with DMB, uh, taking that system out to, uh, to do the shows with, with Dave Matthews. So um, it's a, a very interesting story, but it, it, it all just came from just trying to get my feet underneath me. And, and uh I, I really just wanted to see what was going on instead of just listening to it. And so that's what, what kind of drove me down that path. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, it, it set up, obviously, I mean, it was probably one of the biggest, I mean, I'm guessing one of the biggest turns in your life or career, especially at the time, for sure. I mean, you know, otherwise you might still be an LD right now and we'd be. Yeah, I can't see myself still, still being a squint. Although <laughs> you, you, you sit there, you watch a show with all the cool gear they have now. Uh, it's, sometimes I want to go back over. But but not really. No. <laughs> well, there you have it. Chris, was it everything you hoped for, man? Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you, Jamie. Thank you for uh, for chatting with us uh, tonight. And, of course, anyone wants more information on anything that Jamie was talking about, you can head on over to irrationalacoustics.com and click around to your heart's content. Well, let's, wait, let's not leave out uh, all the work you guys have just, uh, you know, I'll, I'll speak as a non-rational employee here. <laughs> uh, I, I want to thank, uh, what, what, you know, uh, Jamie and, and Chris and Michael and the whole team at Rational, what the, the content that you guys have just spent 
um, putting out there is is insane. Um, I, I, I don't think some people might realize the value of what is there, but I, many people probably really don't. You know, I, I've been through I've been to five classes now, four regular ones, and then uh, the, the one advanced <laughs> one, and um, yep. and uh, it's um, it's it, it's a lot. I, I this industry, um, you know, as you guys did a gratitude for what you guys just put out, uh, and you guys have the new. Um, uh, level one certification that you guys just put out too. Uh, that that's really cool. It's it's not you know even though it's open book test, you, you can't just open the manual and and uh, and pass that thing. So I encourage everyone to kind of check those YouTube videos out and um, and and take that test as well. Well, there you go. We don't have to promote anything because he did it for us. <laughs> we should hire him as a spokesperson. My job is done here, and my beer is empty. <laughs>